So good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. April Murdoch here again with another powerful podcast. I am so excited to have this woman on the podcast today. You know, I was reading uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago because I do research for these things and everything I post on my social media, you know, I research it to make sure that it's accurate information. And I was reading an article that said that January was like the highest month for divorce time. And I was like, ooh, that makes pretty good sense. Like you weather the storm of the family coming in town, you get in Christmas and the holidays and you like kill me now. I'm rich. So with that being said, I figured that I hear that to prepare those women out there who are considering moving down that path just to give them the education that they need and that perhaps to guide them in the, in the right direction. And so today I have uh, Mrs. Elaine Silver, and I'll tell you a little bit about her. She is a collaborative divorce attorney, so we'll learn more about what that word means, that word means because from Elaine's perspective, you don't have to lose your shirt and your whole mindset going through a divorce. Do it collaboratively. We'll talk about that. But she's a collaborative divorce attorney and mediator in Lake Mary, which is the greater Orlando area. So she's in Florida. And her practice is limited to out-of-court resolution, including collaborative practice, unbundled services, and she represents clients through mediation and litigated matters and mediating for families with and without lawyers in the Bronx. So she's an attorney, but she does something really unique. She hasn't been an attorney in over 20 years, which she founded the Silver in Lake Mary, Florida, which is the suburb of Orlando. She was the president of the Florida Association of Collaborative Professionals, is a board member of the Central Florida Greater Orlando Collaborative Family Law Group, and sits on the board of the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. So y'all, she speaks in this thing. After graduating from New York University School of Law, haha, go girl, she graduated with honor, I need to say that, and she worked as a divorce lawyer in Connecticut. She represented a wife in a record-setting divorce case who was awarded the largest amount of alimony and child support given by a Connecticut judge to that point in time. I don't know if you'll share with us what that was, but I mean, it's just no. Elaine teaches about collaborative divorce professional law and mental health graduate students and will talk about collaborative divorce with anyone who asks. When she doesn't work, haha, doesn't sound like she doesn't do anything else, but when she does her pickleball, she gardens and hides her forever husband. Thank you so much, Elaine, for coming on the podcast. We are so glad to have you. Dr. April, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here and spread the word about peaceful ways to get divorced. But yeah, so talk to us about that. Like, was that case that you did in Connecticut, was that the case that said, that led you to say, oh, ah. like, can you tell us about what led you to the whole collaborative arena? Yes, ma'am. Um, so I this was a long time ago before collaborative was in the the, the atmosphere. And um, we tried this case. The lady got over half a million dollars of alimony and child support each year, private school tuition. These were very wealthy people. Yeah, it was a lot of money. And this was back when the day when it was even more money. Right. So these, these were not poor folks. Um, but I followed that family after the divorce and life happens and he lost his job. And if he lost, he was, you know, trader on Wall Street. And if he lost his job through no fault of his own, that money was going to disappear. And this family had absolutely no skills to try and resolve life challenges and problems as they arose. Um, so despite the fact of having one and one big and, you know, got press about it and all of that, it really didn't serve my client that win, if you will. Um, and so uh, 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 that that's just one of many stories. I once tried a three-week custody case. Um, yeah, right. Little kids in a horrible situation. I've met so many people who 
either because, you know, divorce at, at, at cocktail parties, standing in lines at airports, whatever. What do you do? I'm a divorce lawyer. And the trauma of their divorce or their parents' divorce just spills out of them, whether it happened last year or, or 30 years ago, or, you know, I could be talking to an adult. And and if I, I always say, um, you know, how old were you when your parents divorced? And they can tell me the story, the trauma of it, however sooner long ago. So all of these experiences over years really got me to thinking that um, there has to be a better way. And early on, there were some pioneering judges and thought leaders and the founder of the whole collaborative movement who said there, there really is a better way. It, it does no good for families to think that the only way to get divorced is to tell their story to a judge and let a judge decide. These are, you know, sm- your, your clients, these are smart, intelligent people who've been in charge of their own lives forever. Why would they possibly hand over really one of the biggest challenges in their lives, getting divorced for themselves, for their kids, to some stranger who can't possibly figure it out better than they can with the help of good professionals, just like you help people in their financial worlds. There are collaborative divorce professionals who will help them get through this piece. So tell, I know when you were not talking initially, because I was introducing you and then we had a great conversation and you said there was like the big C and the little C. So tell us about that when you talk about collaborative. How does that, yes, what does that mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there are lots of people say, well, I'm collaborative. You know, I'm nice. I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to, but collaborative divorce with a capital C is actually a formal process um, in, in Florida and almost 30 other states. There's actually laws that protect the process. And the real difference is that each client, each spouse, each client, and, and this is for divorce, it's for same sex couples, it's for, um, people who have kids together, but we're never married. So so each spouse um, gets their own lawyer, but they get a collaborative lawyer with a capital C. And the spouses, the partners, the um, um, and the lawyers sign an agreement that say these lawyers are not going to court. And that's the key of the difference because the lawyers have no vested interest in Getting paid, I forgive me, lawyers. I, you know, I have colleagues who are great friends, but you know, no, it takes away the lawyer interest in getting paid per hour and making the problem bigger and more expensive and more burdensome for the clients than it is. The 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 lawyer's interest becomes totally aligned with the clients. We want to help you resolve this in a way that makes sense for your family. So that there's no winner or loser, you know, like like my old case. There's no winner or loser. There's there's a mutually crafted agreement where everybody's gonna be a little flexible, give a little, get a little, but get to an interest based outcome, not a win lose outcome, an outcome that satisfies everybody's needs and goals and long-term interests to the best that we can do that. Yeah, that sounds like really client-centered and supportive as opposed to the other spectrum where it's, you know, go to court, duke it out, find it out. And I think you said when we talked that, like, what a percentage of the cases that actually go to a judge and hear it, like, what, what what's something like that? Right. It's all of the people, right. Of all of the people who hire lawyers, not collaborative and think they're going to go to court and a judge is going to decide it's actually less than 5% of all the cases that judges actually decide. So people spend a whole lot of time, energy, money pretending that they're going to try a case someday and that someday actually never happens. You know, we, we have that expression settle on the courthouse steps. Um, and that's a horrible way to resolve a, 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 a difficult situation. You don't want to be making decisions, you know, because, oh, my God, I have to settle tonight or I'm going to try the case tomorrow. If 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 you're in this this unfortunate situation of getting divorced, you want to make 
careful, considered decisions that you have time to think about, just, just like you do with your clients as they're making important decisions for their future. So the collaborative divorce attorney like yourself, you go through, is it a designation? Is it continuing education? Like what do you do to be a collaborative divorce attorney? Yes, ma'am. So there is, I love that question. There actually any lawyer can do a collaborative case. So they don't, they just have to be a lawyer. They can do a collaborative case. However, if I'm a consumer, if I'm a client, I want to look for a lawyer who really talks about collaborative process on their website and has done an introductory training at least and has done, we're, we're so, those of us who are in this world are so committed to doing this right for clients and there's so much to learn and, you know, we never have all the answers. So we're always doing more trainings. I just came back from a, uh, the International Academy meeting in Toronto where I you know, attended sessions, and I also gave a session on silver divorce, on 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 divorces for the over fifty five, over sixty population. So, if I'm a consumer, I want to look at attorneys' website and see if they're like, you know, I'm gonna take your case and be aggressive in my representation of you. You know, you want me because I win cases. Or if their website says, really talks about collaborative practice, and maybe in Florida, we have an accreditation, it's voluntary, but the Florida Academy of Collaborative Professionals, I'm a past president, so I'm biased, um, offers a voluntary accreditation. So I am an accredited collaborative professional. Um, but anybody can do it. And I say to to everybody who's considering divorce, if you're sitting down with a lawyer in an initial consultation and they don't teach you talk about collaborative as a good option for you, run, don't walk, invest in a consult with a collaborative attorney to learn more about the process. Yeah, because it does sound like, again, it's more client-centered. It is focused on peaceful resolution as opposed to walking away. Like you said, there's a winner and a loser. Um, the hostility may be gone, you know, minimized if, if nothing else out of it. So, so, so when we talk about collaboration, now I've heard about mediation, and I know there is a difference between that. So... And, and and then to piggyback on that, like, tell us the steps. Like, do we mediate first, then go collaboration? Like, how does that work? Love it. Um, and we'll talk about that. But I just, something you just said about, you, you know, we have an expression in my line of work that um, criminal lawyers, you know, people accused of crime, see bad people at their best and divorce lawyers see good people at their worst. And we know right that anger is the flip side of fear and we're all afraid of what we don't know so we're getting divorced that future is really scary we're really angry and mad in that moment and you know our cave people selves you know, fight what mm-hmm. fight flight Fear, fight, flight, right? Freeze, fight, flight. The reaction to the dinosaur, to the to the predator. Um, those are still instinctive to us. So what we don't want to do is freeze people at that worst moment when they're scared and mad and angry and lashing out. Because you know what? These same people who are getting divorced right now, right? A long time ago or not so long ago, right? They fell in love. They got, forgive me, can I say this? They got naked. They did yeah. the things you do when people get naked. They got married. They're, this is not all of who this person is, the person that they're kind of at war in big quotes with right this minute. So how do people um, um, turn that cruise line, you know, turning a cruise line around that's going in one direction as a cruise liner is a little speedy ship, right? How do you turn it around off that path of going to war? Well, first of all, so what people do is one, get legal advice by all means. Um, Understand what your options are. Um, Mediation. So, So you hear a lot of lawyers saying, we don't have to do that whole collaborative process because we're going to go to mediation. So, me, so the mediation and collaborative have the same goals, peaceful, private resolution that the client's ultimately in charge of. 
But how you get there really does make all the difference in the world. And unfortunately, the way mediation has come to be practiced by and large is it's sort of that on the courthouse steps, that 11th hour marathon. There are mediators in the world who post on Facebook that they brag about, well, we had a 15 hour mediation last night, but the case settled. Nobody wants to be making decisions in that kind of high pressure, you know, pressure cooker context. Col co collaborative. So, so, but there is a mediation model. And this is also something I do, and a few of us do, not very many. More people should do this. Is a, we call it a pre suit pro se. So, there's a fancy word. So, before you go to court, and you can do this with or without lawyers, you, you, a couple, can engage a mediator to help you work through the issues that you've got. And I do this a lot with couples. They, they Google mediation, they find me, they call me. We talk about whether this is an option. When I do mediation that way, I meet in two-hour blocks of time with people for as few or as many meetings as they meet need to get to an agreement. Once you have those agreements written and signed, you have the basis for an uncontested divorce. So a judge still has to sign off, but a judge isn't making any decisions. A judge is just approving those agreements the parties have met. However, there are people who can't just do it themselves, who want legal assistance, who want advice and counsel. So collaborative for those folks, that's up the same process. We're going to meet together early and often and as often as we need to help this family, one, understand everything they've got understand what the finances are. And depending on the complexity of the finances in a family, you know, that may be more or less complicated. Do, are they just W-2 wage earners, you know, and do they have retirement funds in a house? Pretty simple. But do they have a business? Do they have complicated investments? Is there a lot of debt? Are they sole, you know, are they in business for themselves so that we have to do some work around what is the income really? So when you get into these more complex financial questions, if you're not in collaborative, you might get into a situation where each lawyer hires an expert. Imagine the duplication, you know, a financial expert. Imagine the duplication in the expense. In collaborative, uh -huh. one of the beauties of collaborative is we hire one financial neutral to gather all the information. And you know, as a financial professional, if you have, you're talking to a couple, and if you can talk to both of them separately or together, you're going to get so much better information yeah. than if two different people have to talk to the to the two spouses. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's one of the yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It eliminates that telephone or gossip game where somebody says something to somebody by the time it gets around. It's totally different than what was said in the first place. And the other beauty of collaborative is we hire a mental health neutral. We engage a mental health neutral as part of our team. This could be a psychologist, a social worker, a licensed mental health professional. Not to do therapy. People say, but we've already been in therapy. We can't save the marriage. Right. This is not therapy. It's not to save the marriage. It's again, it's one to help people make a parenting plan without the lawyers in the room. Give it to an expert in kids and parents and relationships to help the couple not only make their parenting plan, but start to learn how to co-parent because they're going to have to do that forever for a long time. Yeah. And if we have time, I can tell you a lovely story about that. Yeah, I've mean, got time. Talk to me. Okay. So in a recent collaborative case, this was a very challenging case because um, um, the two, there were two kids. They were actually struggling, these kids. Um, one kid was talking about not going back to school, wanting to be homeschooled. Um, there were some, there were some substance abuse challenges among the parents that, but these, these were high functioning professionals, you know, um, so this case had really all kinds of challenges. And very early on, there was sort of a not, you know, one of the one of the, the parents, one of the spouses moved out of the house because things were really tense in the home and they were not doing well. They couldn't they could barely have a civil conversation. 
uh, lots of therapists, all sorts of stuff. We, we got into the collaborative process. And fast forward, after about six months, that's really all it took, we resolved, they were able to reach a parenting plan, they were able to reach a financial resolution. Uh, you know, there was a conversation about mom was had to stay in the house. And as time went on, she realized that maybe that was not the best economic option. It made more sense to sell the house and to get two new smaller homes. And she came to, nobody made her do that. Had mm-hmm. it been a, a court situation, she probably would have been forced to do that. But nobody made her do that. She was able to come to that decision on her own. And at the very last meeting, we have a meeting where everything gets signed and we like tie it up in a bow. And, you know, everybody feels not happy that they're getting divorced, but okay with it. Like they really made progress. Mm-hmm. And we heard this lovely story of how the kid who wasn't even going to go to school, that the principal called them in to the parents into the office and everybody go, uh-oh, principal, this is going to be bad, right? No, no, no. The principal called them in to tell them how well their kid was doing and how the kid was getting it on. You know, yeah. And we all like were virtually crying when we hear the story. And not only that, but then that night when one of the parents was dropping off the other, you know, the kids at the other house, the parent invited them in to join for dinner. Wow. At wow. Not sat down. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. We were we as a professional team were tearing up when when we heard this story. Yeah. That's why we do that. That's worth it. That's worth all that's it. I mean, that is it. Because I'll tell you, I mean, just in my experience, and I'm I'm divorced. Um, and it's it's so angry. People are so angry. You know, you talk to one spouse and they're like, you know, she took me to the cleaners, he took me to the cleaners, you know, uh, still years later had the bitterness. And, you know, even though they may have rights and access to the children and they're, they're doing it, but it regardless grudgingly and they're, it's just angry. And so to see that, to hear that you can separate using a process that is peaceful. And and what it sounds like too, the woman came to her own, like it, it took time for her to simmer down and really look at the big picture. But when you're in a divorce that's heated and you got to go back and forth to court, you're constantly battling. It's like, I'm going to win, I want to win, I want to win. And not really sitting down um, in that picture, it sounds like the collaborative allows everyone the opportunity to do that at their own pace and not force a hand, their hand. But that is amazing. I just got feel when you told me that story. No, no, no. Wow. You, you just That's described that so beautifully. And one of the things I was thinking, it just popped in my head, was um, when I was 19, I interned in the uh, public defender's office in Baltimore City. So, you know, I talked about criminal law. I, after that summer, I was never going to do criminal law again. And the, um, the boss, the public defender, the chief, the chief guy decided that it would be a good idea for my little 19-year-old person to go into jail and interview one of their clients. Yeah, I can see the look on your face. Oh, my God. Here I am. I take myself into the jail. And uh, it was very scary. And then he decided that he should put me on the witness stand to talk about whatever. Yeah, I know. I can't, I cannot to this day. I see the look on your face. That is horrifying. Well, wait. So here's the thing. Talk about trauma. I do. Not, I actually don't remember walking into the jail. I have no clue what we talked about. I have no clue what I actually testified to. But what I can remember to this day is how scared I felt being on the witness stand. Mm-hmm. And I think about that every single time that we think about when a client comes to me and says, I want to tell my story to the judge. I say, you have no idea what that's really all about. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lawyer who's being honest will tell you how much their um I don't want to say anxiety, but you know how the adrenaline starts to flow every time they go into a courthouse. And this is not their lie. Why any human would voluntarily put themselves into that situation, I don't know. But again, so if you can be in a process, and we have good stats that 
the vast majority of all our collaborative cases settle, not everyone, but most, um, that if you could put yourself in a process that is so much more designed to be humane, and it's not always peaceful, you know, we can have angry mm -hmm. arguments, we can, we can, but we have guardrails and protections and seatbelts, if you will. That's why we bring these mental health neutrals, facilitators, quarterbacks into the room. And I think that is so important. You know, um, I did an episode a while back on money trauma and just, you know, how um, parents may have handled money that has now traumatized this adult because the parents were my you know because you know they go the opposite direction and it has a lot to do with trauma and there's therapy out there that that works with people who have those money traumas and so I think collaborators it's so amazing that you have this core team of neutral professionals to help them navigate this process. They have no skin in the game. They're professionals. They understand the collateral process. But knowing that there can be trauma and helping them to deal with that, especially the mental health professional. And you were saying like a, a forensic financial advisor to call through the finance and someone that specializes in those things. I think that is so important because then you don't have one party saying, yes, I found this in the client finances, or now I need to take the mom because the mother has issues and she needs psychiatric help. And, you know, so I love the team you do. And I think it's just, just as easy and more peaceful. And no the question you say. No, I, I love how to say that. Good. You say it so beautifully. And the other thing about having neutrals on the team is that you know, I, I'm still the lawyer for one client, right? And we will we have lots of offline conversations about how this is gonna go and what's realistic and what you can and can't do and and you know, and how we're gonna get to a reasonable result. And a lot of those conversations are hard, you know. Both spouses are gonna have less. That's just the way it is. Whatever it is, divide by two, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. And 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 very typically, it's actually the future income distribution conversation, mm -hmm. often known as alimony and child support, mm -hmm. that is the most difficult for people to get through. And what are neutrals? And I could say something in the room, whether I'm representing the you know the person who's going to get support or the person who has to pay it. Whatever I say is going to be heard as an advocate. But if the neutrals, one of the neutrals says exactly the same thing in exactly the same way, it's going to be heard totally differently by both spouses because of, of whose mouth it's coming out of. And we don't, and unlike mediation, we don't do offers and demands and back and forth. We build options. So the neutral will say, well, Here's how we think about alimony and child support. You know, we have a statute, we have guidelines. This is we have to start with what what how much income does the payor have? What's the how much are the taxes? What are the net? What are the needs of the recipient? What's your lifestyle based on the marriage? You know, we now have a new statute, which is actually very helpful because it gives us some more parameters. If you've been married for so long, it's going to last for so long. The new statute in July has done away in Florida with permanent alimony. So mm -hmm. there are some a lot of very recent changes. Um, but those neutrals can sort of set out bookends, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, so we still have some flexibility within these parameters. We're likely talking about a range between X and Y. What do you guys think? And it is clients always um, surprise me and impress me in a good way about their creativity and their flexibility and their ability to honor the fact that they are going to be, you know, co-parents or have a relationship for a very long time. And so, you know, the a client says to me as the lawyer, well, how much is it going to be? And I say, I don't know. That's up to you. 
here's the reasonable range, but how much it's going to be within that, that's up to you and to your spouse. And I am delighted to see that more often than not, they work it out. We help them. We figure out options. Well, you know, ABC, what do you guys think? And they can pretty much get to be. <laughs> wow. And that, and that, is, that is great. So you have these two people that come in the door or, uh, right, going through this. Yep. And now, actually, they are crafting their own divorce, their own parenting plan based on their values, their desires, where they see their life. That is so cool because it puts you in control of this situation as opposed to being only focused on statutes and laws and what the judge says and what each party says they should get. Is there a is there a personality type in your experience that you see that it's probably better for this? Like I've I heard of some friends women. You know, he's a narcissist. He would never do mediation. He would never do, you know, big C collaborative divorce. Is there a person that you typically see in couples that kind of do this and do it well? You have such great questions. I just have to tell you. You are, you are oh, absolutely. You are giving me such good information. I'm here writing notes and questions and ideas because this is so rich to me. But go ahead. I want to say you have nailed the issues that keep us as professionals up at night. So, you know, is there are there people for whom this just is not going to work? And in our experience doing collaborative, we've been doing it for about 20 as a community. You know, me personally, but as a community for about 20 years in Central Florida, really robustly and all over, not not just Florida. Um, we used to kind of on the front end say, well, if you know, there's narcissism or, 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 or domestic violence or, or substance abuse or even domestic, interpersonal violence, domestic violence. We're not going to be able to do this collaboratively. Our thinking has really changed. That collaborative actually gives us more and better skills and tools to help these very challenging people and families than any other process that I know out there because we can bring in all of this expertise to help us get through it. Now, you know, narcissism is sort of the buzzword of today, right? Everybody's narcissist. Well, some people are just old-fashioned, self-centered, bleep words, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, But but it is absolutely, but you know what? Those narcissists, it's all about them, but... Mm -hmm. You can, you can, this family has managed around that for a long time. Doesn't want to do it anymore. I get it. But sometimes if that narcissist is, is the payor, is the wage earner, is the, you know, that person also wants to be seen as a good provider, as somebody who got through the divorce process with some sort of honor is an old fashioned word, but maybe it applies. You know, but they just want to be in control, right? A narcissist is the last person in the world who thinks that anybody is smarter than they are and that they're going to be told what to do. So that actually is one of the cores of this process is to leave the clients in control. Substance abuse, you know, sadly, it's very prevalent. Everybody's drinking too much, smoking too much. You know, we, we, and, and it doesn't stop people from functioning in the world. We know this. And so, again, we can craft solutions to keep kids safe, privately and confidentially. And we also all know that if somebody voluntarily agrees to something, they are way more likely to, to perform well. To, to stick to their own promise than if something is imposed on them. And I think, honestly, our our legal, our court system, the way it is, imposes more trauma on people who already suffered enough. So it's not perfect. You know, there's no 100% guarantee in any of this, but, I, but we have certainly done collaborative cases with all of those components and we have gotten families out the other end well better. You know, domestic violence. I mean, one of the 
legitimate concerns about the victim is if I report them, they're going to lose their job and we're going to lose all the family's income. Yeah, that's we have done domestic violence cases where if it had been public, they would have lost their jobs. Wow. Yeah. And how does that help anybody? Yeah. Yeah. And yet we have kept people as safe as we can. Wow. That that is huge. That is really huge. So something you mentioned that triggered me was privacy. So I know when we talked before, tell us like we we I'm already hearing the benefits of collaborative divorce. Why someone should even consider it, or at least have a conversation to see if this is a good route for them to go. But talk about privacy in that process versus the formal divorce process. Yes, ma'am. So. In Florida, anyway, I'll just, I don't know where your listeners are, but I'll talk about Florida. Does that make sense? Um, in, in Florida, the kind of old-fashioned, traditional way is you hire a lawyer. The lawyer files a petition for divorce in the courthouse. And only after the petition is filed is the other party served. You know, people say, that, well, I'm going to get divorced. I have to go file a petition. Well, no, you don't have to start that way, number one. And number two, on the privacy issue, as soon as that petition is filed, it is public record. I can sit here in the comfort of my office on my computer and look up anybody's divorce anywhere in the state of Florida. And so, first of all, the fact that you're divorced gets becomes public record, available to anybody. Um and then what happens, I don't know if, you know, if people, if your listeners have ever gotten a traffic ticket. So what happens if you get just a traffic ticket is your ma- in Florida anyway, your mailbox gets flooded with lawyer letters. Um, you know, you got a traffic ticket, you yeah. need to hire a lawyer, hire like me. You know, those solicitation letters. Well, I'm sad to say that lawyers are now doing this in divorces. So the cases get filed and there are lawyers trolling, I'm going to use that word, the system. And and I know people who have gotten these blanket advertising solicitation letters in their in their mailboxes. Imagine you have a teenage child or a child whose job it is to go get the mail out of the mailbox every day and your child sees this letter. This is a solicitation from a divorce lawyer. So privacy at that level is a real thing. I have a collection of these letters. I hate them. I, 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 some lawyers are my, are my dear friends and colleagues, but some of the things that some of them do, I I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's advertising and they're allowed to do it. It's not deemed to be unethical, but I think it's horrible. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that if you're in a co- if you're in a litigation context, and that includes being in the courthouse and going to mediation down the road sometime in this horrible marathon, um, you ha- you are you have to file what are called financial affidavits. So you have to file this complete financial. Um, disclosure thing. The law just changed allowing some exceptions to that. But if you're in a, a, a an old-fashioned litigated matter, more often than not, that financial affidavit is going to get filed in the courthouse, which means, again, I can go, you can go, you're not a lawyer, so you can't do it from your computer, but you can go to the clerk's office and say, you know, let me see Joe Schmo's financial affidavit. These files are public record. They have to give it to you. There's nothing protected about it. So Mm. people are disclosing, right, to the whole world, their income, their assets, their liabilities, their living, all sorts of private information. I mean, I can't imagine. And, And people don't understand that. When they sign up with a litigation, yeah. they don't understand that all that's going to happen. I knew that. I never knew that. And all of that. And so, single ladies, if you're dating a divorce guy, side note, find out. Yes, medium. Absolutely. <laughs> There's a whole lot of information. <laughs> a little more about it than I said. My ability there. Wow, man, that's something else. You know, that's like ambulance chasing. You know, they say, you know, as soon as you're injured, and like you said, you get a ticket, you get in an accident, you get all these this mailbox flooded and called. Wow, 
crazy, crazy, crazy. So tell us, I know you said you kind of specialize or an area you work a lot in is silver divorce. Tell us about that. What is that looking like? And who, who's doing that now? Well, so silver divorce, gray divorce, baby boomer divorce, right? The over 55, over 60 population um, are actually the people have been married forever, uh, 20, 30, 40. I don't even want to say 50 years, right? These long-term marriages where people got married young, had kids, kids are grown, kids are out of the house. Those are the largest numbers of divorce filings across the country that are happening right now for a bunch of reasons. Well, for a bunch of reasons. So first of all, because baby boomers, me included, were among the largest population segment. So there are just more of us. That's number. So, so more of us more people getting divorced. Younger people, there are fewer younger people, and they're not getting married as much. So if you're not getting married as much, you're not going to get it divorced as much. But then yeah. we're also seeing that life changes. You know, retirement is a big deal. And sometimes people have real different expectations about what's supposed to happen at retirement. There are all kinds of jokes about that. And, you know, every joke has a an element of truth. So I don't know if you know the we 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 captioned our latest um, presentation for better or worse, but not for lunch. Uh, and yeah, you're too young. I don't know if you know that expression. It's kind of a joke, you know. No, not. for better or worse. But if you're the so the traditional family, right? He goes off to work every day. She stays at home, raises the kids. You know, there's still a lot of the misfamilies around, and um. Um, it's like my house, you know, you're supposed to be gone from nine to five. I'm not making you lunch. That's not part of the deal. So it's not literal. It's just different expectations about what happens on retirement, how big a change that is. You know, and sometimes we see all of this, right? The work life has really been that he's been out traveling a lot. So he really wasn't home and part of the family. And who knows what was going on in all that business travel. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now for the first time, they're home. We really have to face each other as a, as a couple. Or, or the kids kept them together. The kids were the glue that they, you know, and a lot of people say that. We stayed together for the kids and now they're out of the house. Yeah. Um, health issues are hard. I, I mean, I encourage people never, I encourage women never to marry an older guy because, you know, they may see fit and healthy. Right, right. They may, as fit and healthy as they may be at 50 something, 60 something, if you're 10, 20 years apart, you know, they're in their 70s, whatever, and you're in your 50s, not likely what you signed up for. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and this is a whole rhyme of life. So that's like now kids like, oh, I can do stuff I haven't done anymore. Yeah. Right. So, so that's the big deal on that. It's a big deal. And so it's really challenging economically because whatever plans the family had made for retirement, when you're mm. either past your, your earning years or closer to the end of them in the beginning, whatever plans you've made for retirement are going to have to get scaled down because two cannot live as cheaply as one. Right. And so, right, whatever it is, it's going to get split in half. Yeah. Um, and life is, you know, if you were fortunate enough to have built up a nest egg and, you know, be able to enjoy, it's going to get scaled back. And if you were like most people and barely have enough for retirement, it's going to be really tough. And the stats are that women are more impoverished in divorce than men. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Across the board. I see that. And I know that COVID kind of brought that on. It was like now you have two thousand that are all the time because of the COVID situation. And now you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know this person. I don't even like this person. You know, <laughs> do I want to do continue to life with this person? Um, it's amazing what marriage was supposed to do, bring you together and how it is 
become such a system where you feel apart if you don't really know each other. And then when it's time to really know each other or spend time with each other, you realize that you're not as compatible as you thought you were. And so here we are, 55, 60, going through divorce. So, wow, wow. But, well, I'm right. But if, go ahead. Well, I just, if I may reflect, so COVID is not done yet. We know that. And the consequences of COVID on families are still incredibly challenging. I was talking to a lovely young woman the other day whose husband used to be able to go to the office every day and he can't anymore. He has to work from home. And he's a very, you know, that there are a lot of people for whom they're going to the office every day at the big part of their lives, that social interaction, that exchange, that's a loss. I mean, you know, it, it's just different than what they expected. And so people, um, you know, this not compatible, right? But but I I, I just want to say, you know, this fairy tale notion of my spouse doesn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. I tell people to let go of that. Find your own happiness and bring that to your marriage. It is not your spouse's job to make you happy. Yeah, I hear these things like, he completes me. And I'm like, wait, you're two individual people. Be complete when you enter the relationship. And then you have two whole individuals who have their values and shared, shared values, ideally, right? And so you guys merge as one, but thinking that one person is going to have is, you know, a big here with women. And in my issue, too, a lot of times when I meet with women, one of the problems is, you know, they don't talk to their spouses about money at all. So they fall in love. I say, I say to them all the time, you guys will share your body parts before you share details about your finances, right? I was like, you know, you won't ask credit score. You won't ask how much you make. He's going to get mad if you ask him, but you are sharing the most intimate part of you, your heart, your mind, your body. And you can't trust this individual to know more about where they are financially. So then we get to the table because typically the woman is drawn to work with me. And then she's married. And I said, well, if you're married, you've got to bring this person to the table. They at least have to know what's going on. And I will tell you the the tussle, the, the stress, the fear that she has sometimes of bringing him or whomever it is to the table is just like, and you guys have been married for 25 years and you don't know this and you don't know that, but you do other things together. And I caution them to have those conversations up front because, you know, even if you, it's not great, at least you know going in who you're married. But this idea that we can have two separate things and I can do my thing and he can do his thing and then he dies or he gets sick and you know nothing. So I try to encourage that too, you know. It, it's it's crazy, but you're right. This whole complete me, you know, this fairy tale of, you know, marriage that you know, right off in the sunset, happily ever after. It's work. Two different personalities coming together, working at it. Wow, this has been enriching. So tell me, last two questions, tell me. What tip, What are the typical mistakes you see that women make when they are going through the process? Um, love that question. And I think we're having a mind meld here because the way you described, you know, you talked earlier about money, uh, trauma early in lives and people bring that into their marriages. And, you know, I have this neat little saying that a marriage has to, is a three-legged stool. You got to get the sex, money, and power all right. And if you can't talk about it before you get married, don't get married. Just don't. Right. So we're we're saying the same thing. Um, so mistakes, one, do not use the D word in anger. If you don't change, I'm going to divorce you. Do not use it as a threat. Do not use it in anger. Oh, that's it. I'm getting a divorce. Do not use that D word until you have gotten an education about what it really means and what the consequences are. And that means sitting down and having a consultation with a lawyer. 
And that consultation, paying the money to do it because this divorce is going to cost you a lot of money. And and the legal fees, you know, the process fees are going to be the smallest part of what it's going to cost you because you're going to end up with half of your network at the end of the day. And that's going to be way bigger than anything you spend on the lawyers to get through it. So if you don't have the money for the lawyers, you don't have the money to get divorced. I can be very blunt about that, number one. Now, and when I see you, it just, I mean, I know there are marriages where, you know, one party, one spouse controls all the money. And that's, yeah, that's not a good thing either. And so sometimes, you know, you got to figure out a way. But get knowledge, get an education. That consultation should not just be pay me my retainer and don't worry, dear, I'll take care of it. No, no, no. (laughs) That's what the lawyer says. Run. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, um, That consultation should be the conversation that we're having in way more detail. It should be, what are your assets? What are your liabilities? What do you know? What don't you yet know? What are the likely range of outcomes? Mm-hmm. You know, a lawyer should be able to tell you that. Yes, it's going to be 50-50 of equitable distribution. Wait, there are premarital assets. There are things you brought into the marriage. Okay, let's talk about how you're going to keep those as your own because those don't get shared. Right. What is the future support going to look like? Is there going to be any? If so, what's the range of what it's likely to be? Well, for a lawyer to answer that within a range, they have to know what the respective incomes are and what your and what your expenses are. Mm-hmm. So please don't threaten divorce until you've gotten an education and you understand your finances. Don't threaten divorce until you yourself have been in therapy. And have gone through that emotional processing. Is this going to be right for me? Is this going to make my life better? Even if you decide that divorce is where you need to go, be smart about it. I see lots of people and we make a divorce plan. All right, this is what you're going to do for the next year. You're going to get yourself that job. You're going to finish your education. You're going to Stop spending money, even if it's Christmas, no Christmas gifts this year, and you're going to pay down all your debt. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I see you shaking your head, so you support all of this. You're going to put yourself in the best financial position you can be in because after the divorce, you will have less money, not more, than you have right yeah. now. Now, sometimes there are exceptions to that. You know, if one person's paying all the bills and, you know, it is a question of there needs to be a parent at home with the kids, they... They, they may be spending money on a spouse. You know, I, I had a young couple with no children, and she was the primary wage earner, and he was barely earning a living, and she was sort of over it. And as she looked at what she had been spending, he was spending a lot of their money on stuff she did not agree with. So, but know that, all of that, um, before you threaten divorce and have your plan in place. Not it won't be perfect. There's always going to be surprises, but understand and have your plan in place. Don't, you know, don't have that big blowout angry, oh, I'm going to divorce, and then start to find your lawyer and then start to understand what process you're going to use. Does that uh, help? That definitely does help. So ladies, listen, if This is on your radar if you're thinking about it. I know I meet a lot of women, too, that it comes out when we're talking and we're working together that they're totally unhappy. She's probably more of the contributor to the financial part of the house. You know, not not as robust as someone that's really his family. And um, and they're like, you know, I'm going to walk, but I'm scared because I know that everything I built, I'm going to lose and that sort of thing. And so one of the first things I do suggest is go call an attorney, get the facts of your specific situation, like get educated and help you. One thing that I didn't do and didn't know until meeting you was go talk to a collaborative attorney, a specialist who can help peacefully and actually you you know, they just kind of help you facilitate the process and 
support you in that process. So this has been enlightening for that. But yeah, do, meeting with an attorney, doing your research and not threatening. I, I cannot say that I did that. So I am guilty as charged out there. Um, and I will take my lick, but I didn't necessarily do it that way. Frustrating, it was, you know, and it was kind of hard not to keep my mouth shut about my intention. But what tends to happen is that you say it enough to go in one ear out the other, or the other spouse may then start secretly doing things to now put themselves in a better position so that when you do what you say you're going to do, now it's going to be more of a tug of war getting and working together to, to, you know, in the process. So um, that was may very... I, go ahead. May I add two more things to that? Okay, so number one, if you are the primary wage earner in your relationship and you think this is going to happen, I just, I, I, I never want to promote divorce. When people say, ask me, should I get divorced? I always say it's over my pay grade. But if you are the primary wage earner and you're continuing to accumulate assets and earn more money, sooner is better than later. It, from a, just an economic perspective, it doesn't help you to wait. Okay. It, on the other hand, if you're not the wage earner, you or or you're the lesser wage earner, you want to be married as long as possible. So there's that. And the other thing is, I am a huge believer in therapy and counseling for the couple, because even if one try and work on the marriage, and I always suggest that people do that if there's any glimmer of possibility, but also that therapist, if you build a relationship can be a safe space to have the divorce conversation, to have it seriously. And we're doing our best to in, to teach all therapists about the collaborative model so that if you have that divorce conversation with a therapist as a safe space, calm, everybody's going to behave, to have it, the therapist who hopefully has some traction with both of you can encourage a good process. And the only other kind of how-to that I want to throw out here is my coffee shop rule. If you're going to have a hard conversation with your spouse, if you're finally done, do not have this conversation. Do not call them at work. Oh, we got to talk right this minute. Do not do that. Do not try and have a conversation, you know, after the kids are in bed at night and you're both exhausted. Make an appointment to have a hard conversation and do it in a public place. Wow. Go to Starbucks, Barney's, I don't, you know, go to a public place, come and go in separate cars. This, if you can't do it in a therapist, first choice, therapy's office, second choice in a public place. And if you can't go to, you know, find a coffee shop, come and go in separate cars, make a designated time when people are going to be calm. And if that's not an option, at least go for a walk outside and walk and talk about it. Do not do it in the privacy of your home where things you know, when people are, when nobody's watching, people may get less well-behaved more quickly. Wow, those are excellent tips. Those are excellent, excellent. I wish I knew you back then. Those are great, great tips. Elaine, I'm going to tell you, this has been just a great experience. I learned so much from you. And for my listeners out there, if you have a friend are thinking about it, um, things are going on. You're trying to figure out if this is the direction you want to go. Listen, I am not a proponent for divorce. I am not promoting divorce. Um, it is it's tough. Life after divorce is definitely not easy. I've been divorced uh, going on 16 years, raising children as a single parent and co-parenting. It, it's not. It's not easy on the children. It's not easy on you. Um, but you need to be well informed. And that's what this podcast is about. This podcast is all about educating, empowering, and encouraging women with absolutely no judgment. I want to help you become financially confident. And so Elaine is a great resource. If this is something you're thinking about in the show notes, her information will be there. Schedule a consult with her. Learn more about her. I always say synergy is important, right? Everybody is not for everyone, so you need to make sure that there's synergy because just like your money, lady, this is a very for life. It's like going to the GY and I completely exposed. 
and you need to do that with someone that is knowledgeable, gentle, you can trust, and you feel the energy. So I think Elaine will be perfect for anyone out there contemplating this, going through this. She had such stage wisdom, and her experience is just, you know, above anything that I've heard of in this industry. So I want to thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise with my audience, with me. I've learned and grown so much. If someone needs to reach you, how would they contact you? I'm going to put it in the show notes, but you can say it here for those listening. Thank you. And so my website is silverdivorce.com, www.silverdivorce.com. It's my name. It was my father's name. <laughs> I've been married forever. I never changed my name. I'm a feminist from way back. Um, um and you know go to my website there's a you can you can email me through my website my email pick up the phone and call me i i talk to everybody uh see if i can be helpful if you're in florida i can help you if you want somebody more local i have a a world you know of 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 people who think the way i do all over the united states all over north america really all over the world and i'm always honored to put you in the right direction for I'm, I'm not the only person who's this crazy <laughs> there are, there are, there's a there's a whole community of us out there in the world and and doctor and and the other places to find out more about collaborative process if you're in florida the florida academy of collaborative professionals is um collaborative practice florida.com and the international academy is collaborative practice.com so those are the three critical websites dr april it has just been a delight and a pleasure and an honor you have asked the best questions truly so i'm well, saying synergy i'm so glad we connected i am too it was a great great introduction and I got my listeners find value on this podcast. I know I have. Uh, hopefully, I can, but I know you exist, and this process is so robust and so supportive. I'm going to be definitely sending people to you to have conversations about what their life would look like on this process. So, thank you for your time. I know it is valuable, and I appreciate you donating it to this podcast this afternoon. Thanks so much. All right, I'm going to sign off. Y'all listen in the show notes. You can find out how to uh, contact Elaine Silver, silverdivorce.com. And I will put the link to the collaborative process uh, information that she talked about so you can research that on your own as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Have a great day. <laughs>